This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. In today's episode, we listen to a talk Caroline offered on the experience of encountering the natural state in childhood. She offers a Vajrayana account of the story of the Buddha, who at age nine, recognized Rigpa while sitting under a rose apple tree. This talk was given in 2016 at the November Meditating with the Body Retreat, held at Buckfast Abbey in Devon, England. I'd like to talk a little bit about a story from the Buddha's life. When he was nine years old, and he was under the rose apple tree, when he was still Siddhartha Gautama. And I'm going to tell this story in a Vajrayana way, which is a bit different from some of the interpretations that you may know. And you'll see what that means at the end. When Siddhartha was nine years old, and of course still living in the palace with his family, his father, who was the king or the prince of that area, and a huge retinue of people to care for him in a vast palace, reported to have scented fountains and hundreds of gardeners to look after the flowers. So in the springtime, there was a a festival, a festival to mark the first planting. And everybody in the area went to this festival, all dressed up with their flower garlands around their necks. And they went to the fields where the priests were. And the priests held a ceremony to mark the beginning of the planting season. And it was a festival for the whole village or in the surrounding villages with lots of music and food and incense and offerings to the gods. A very uh, lively, festive atmosphere. You know, and something quite new to Siddhartha who spent most of his time in the palace and most of the time with the people who attended him, along with his cousin Devadatta. But on this day, he had a bit more freedom. And he was able to run with the other children and to explore, explore the festival area, all the sights and sounds and smells. 
And then when the ceremony started, he stood off to the side. His parents apparently wanted him to be with them in a more sort of official way. But he stood off to the side on the edge of the field, the field that was the first to be plowed. And he stood at first under a rose apple tree. And rose apple trees found throughout this area, throughout Southeast Asia, are very heavily scented, you know, as their name implies. So it's like a umbrella of scent coming off them. So he found a place under this tree and eventually sat down. And he first watched the festivities. And he saw, he saw the farmer who was to be the one to hold the plow. And this farmer was straining, you know, right under the hot sun, had been injured. sweating, working hard to yoke the oxen, struggling. And then the oxen were also struggling, as Siddhartha saw, to carry this very heavy, long plow, large plow. And so amid all the chanting, the plowing started, and the first furrow began to open up. And Siddhartha looked into that furrow and he saw hundreds of worms, some of them being sliced into by the plow. And then he saw birds swooping down to take the worms and flying off. And he saw birds fighting over the worms and taking them away. And he sat that way in, the, in all the accounts, for a long time, his parents had lost track of him. So he was able to be there. He was there in the accounts in a state of samadhi. But the interesting thing is, what, what was that actual state? What state did he come to be in under the rose apple tree at nine years old? As an adult, after he'd you know, left the palace for good, left his wife, left his son Rahula, renounced his life and you know, all of the luxuries and all of the trappings of being a prince, and he went out on his quest to answer the question of sickness, old age, and death. And you know, this part is very well known. He studied with various teachers and eventually he rejected the teachings of the ascetics and of the various other teachers who taught him, you know, very complex practices, immaterial attainments, spheres of nothingness, as the texts say. And he realized that nothing here, none of these teachings were the answer to old age, sickness, and death. And instead, his mind naturally returned to the simple samadhi he experienced as a child under the tree.
And the accounts say, some of the accounts say, that the Buddha later reported, talked to people about the empty, open awareness he experienced sitting under the rose apple tree. And it made him realize that later, much later, that all the struggle taught by his former teachers and everyone he had studied with was not it, was not what he was looking for. So from a Vajrayana standpoint, this experience of sitting under the rose apple tree was a glimpse of the natural state. And it was from within, completely within, this free awareness that he was able to see the suffering of everything, the suffering of the plowman, the suffering of the oxen, the suffering of the worms and the birds. He was able to see all of this with precision and as part of the isness of things, as the inherent nature of the universe, in its sacredness, and in its great perfection. And some versions of this story tend to focus on the suffering and emphasize that, rather than the awakened state from which he saw that suffering. So the whole thing for Siddhartha Gautama was already there in that childhood experience, complete. And a lot of the accounts of this story really emphasize that he came back to it as an adult shortly before his enlightenment, this memory and his ability to go back to that state was of tremendous help and guidance to him. But I suspect that's how it is for all of us, that everything's already there in our experience, and especially in our early childhood experience that we all have glimpses of the natural state throughout our lives and probably very often starting in early childhood. But they get a bit lost because as young children we may not know how to think about them or how to be with them. And there there may be no place in our lives for sharing an experience like this with other people. I've been exploring a little bit about the spirituality of children in the work I do with my foundation, and there's been a lot of, you know, there's been several new books in this area recently. And there's so many accounts of um, children describing experiences of the awakened state, you know, in their own words, very simply, describing being with the oneness of all that is. And a very interesting thing about 
you know, most, if not all of these accounts, is that they're very embodied. They're very somatic in the way that children explain things. And very, very beautiful. An experience like this is um, part of my own history, and it really has and continues to be a guide on my own path. And it probably is why I'm here right now and have dedicated my life to exploring this path. I was also about nine, or I was nine. Perhaps that's a time when we begin to be able to hold an experience like this. And just as the Buddha's was very related to his life, mine was very related to the way I lived at that time. We were traveling from New York to Sydney, Australia, to move there for, for good, as far as we knew. And we stopped in Hawaii. And at that time, the flights arrived in Hawaii at the middle, in the middle of the night. And we stayed there for a few days. So we went to our hotel in the middle of the night, and it was right on the beach. And it was the first time I'd ever been in a tropical place, first time I'd seen the Pacific Ocean. And it was incredibly striking to me, this whole environment, the sights, the sounds, and particularly the fragrances of Hawaii, the heavy flowers and salt air. We got to our hotel and uh, I had my own space and I went out onto the lanai, which was a balcony over the beach, directly over the beach and um, didn't have any thought of sleep. And I had just left everything I knew for the first time in the East Coast, and there was a, it was a very emotionally charged situation, leaving friends, leaving school, leaving relatives, leaving everything I knew, knew to go to Australia, which I knew nothing about at that time. And so I sat on the balcony and found myself after a while, and I had no sense of time whatsoever, just completely within a space, an enormous open space, where I, I don't think I even have the words for it, a space of tremendous peace and freedom and oneness interconnection. And it was very, very somatic. That part I can remember so clearly. It was as if, you know, the body created that. There was no thought. And that, that incident, or that, the way that was, that experience, that glimpse, has stayed with me, you know, in my, the rest of my life. Even to the extent that every time I smell a plumeria, frangipani, a very common flower in Hawaii with a very, very sweet scent, every time I smell that, wherever I am in the world, I go back, I go back to that space. 
And as we grow up and as we, you know, we follow the path of meditation, spiritual development, and especially if we are on this Buddhist path, we read a lot about the natural state, the awakened state, Rigpa, the Dharmakaya, the immeasurable expanse, luminous mind. I mean, there are so many terms to describe it, so many doors in terms of words that we can go through to help ourselves understand it. But as I was saying the first evening, that they're all very good and they do help us. And a particular term will open our mind more than another term. But without the somatic experience, without the deeply embodied feel of what the natural state, what the awakened mind is, it doesn't really help that much. There was a very great and well-known Vajrayana teacher who said to his own teacher after years and years of study and practice, this is something that's been with me forever. It's something I've known forever. Why didn't you tell me that this was the great perfection itself? So why not go back to this place, go back to this glimpse that's protected and held in our bodies? So I want to offer that to you in this retreat as something that you can hold as we go through the rest of this retreat. What glimpse or glimpses are held within your body? What is the direct perception? What is your own experience of the Buddha nature, of the awakened state? In that probably most famous of lines from William Blake's Marriage of Heaven and Hell, he says, if the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to man as it is, infinite. So I'm just inviting you to be back in touch with the infinite in your own being through any glimpse you may have had. To download more of Reggie's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats, and to explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your spiritual journey, please visit dharmaocean.org.
Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet Cry of the Snow Lion. <laughs> 